What is up, guys? I am excited to be here with you guys as we continue to talk about missions. You know, we started off the night talking about the need for missions, and tonight we're going to talk about what it looks like for you as a middle schooler to be living as a missionary in your schools, on your sports teams, in your families, in your neighborhoods. And we're going to be in Acts 1, so if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. But as you are, let me, let me talk to you guys real quick about a time in my life. In middle school, I, I had the opportunity to be able to go and share the gospel with a lot of people door to door. And I'm going to be honest, sometimes it's a little awkward. You know, you go up to these people and they're asking you questions. You don't have all the right answers. But as I shared the gospel, I grew more comfortable and more confident in my ability to be able to share with others. And fast forwarding a little bit into college, I was working at this camp as a counselor, and I had this student come in, and his name was Ben, and Ben had a big need for Jesus. He came from a home where his parents weren't in the picture, and his grandma, who he was living with, was just diagnosed with cancer. At the same time, he's being bullied. He had no friends. He just felt rejected by everyone around him. But there he was in the cabin with us all week long. And so as we're talking, I'm telling Ben, hey, you can have hope in something else. And we're talking through the gospel. And the first time we talked through the gospel, he said, no, I I don't need that. I'm good. And we talked about it later in the week. And he said, no, I don't need that. I'm good. And it wasn't until the third time at the very end of the week where he is just breaking down and weeping about just his family and his situation as we're talking through the gospel that he says, yes, I need to follow Jesus. And he repented of his sins and believed and started walking with the Lord. And it was a night and day difference. For the rest of the week, he was like a totally different person. This person who was so insecure that had confidence in the Lord. This person who was so fearful of others was now rejoicing as we went to everything because it wasn't about him. It was the person that he had hope in. You see, we, a lot of times we think of missionaries, when you hear the word missionary, we think about these people that live overseas and they live in a dirt hut and they sleep on the floor and they eat bugs. But the truth is that we are all called to be missionaries and we're going to look at what it looks like for you to live your life on missions. And so where we pick up in Acts, Jesus has already been crucified, he's died, he's been buried, and he's risen again, and he's already been back to see the disciples after raising after being raised from the dead. And so he's talking to them, and where we pick up in Acts is his last time talking to them. This is the final send-off that he gives his disciples. And if we look in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says this. It says, While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. You see, the first thing that we see tonight, we're going to see God's promise is this, to be with his people. That God's promise is to be with his people. You see, after Jesus spent so much of his time with the disciples, he tells them to wait for a second, saying, hold on. But he tells them specifically to wait for something, which is his promise. And to understand what this promise is, we have to hit rewind a little bit. We have to go way, way back to the Old Testament. And I am going to walk you guys through. I'm not a professional artist yet, but I've, I've drawn some things to help us walk through this promise. And we have to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. As you can see, I'm a professional artist, or I'm getting there. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will be selling all of my work after. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. 
But we see this picture in the beginning, in the garden of Adam and Eve, and everything was perfect. We've talked about God's design in the past few weeks, when everything was perfect and we were designed to have a relationship with him. And Adam and Eve walked with and talked with and enjoyed life in the presence of God in the garden. But it didn't stay perfect, did it? No, we sinned. And when we sinned, we put up this big divider, this big wall in between us and God that we can now no longer be in his presence because he is perfect and he is holy. And now we were sinful and that separated us from him. No longer could we walk with him, but God has a promise for his people. He had a plan to be with them. And so we're going to move on in our story past Adam and Eve and God to a man named Moses. Now Moses, you may know him as the guy with the Ten Commandments and a beard, very clearly. But in addition to the Ten Commandments, God gave Moses something else. He gave him the plans for something called the tabernacle. Now the tabernacle was a big tent. And what was so special about this tent is this is the place where God lived among his people. But it was still broken. While he's living here with his people, we still couldn't enter the temple freely. We couldn't just go into the tent. There's this long list of rules and rituals and things that you had to do in order to be clean to enter the presence of God. Because again, we're still sinful. And so while God is fulfilling his promise, it still wasn't perfect. Our sin still had this barrier. And so we move, we fast forward again in this story and we come to a king named King Solomon. Now, King Solomon, he had it good. He had it made. He had the money. He had the books of wisdom. He probably had on some Air Jordans or whatever the the best shoes were in that day. Like he was living large. He had a palace, but God was still in the tent. And he was like, why am I living in a palace while God is living in a tent? And so God gives him the plans for a temple, a big permanent house where God would live with his people permanently. No longer was it mobile, but it was permanent. But we still have the same issues. We couldn't just walk in to this house with the Lord and the problem remained. You see, God speaks through his promise in the Old Testament. The temple is is later torn down and rebuilt, and it's just a mess. It wasn't what God intended, but it's where we are. But God makes a promise. We see in Joel chapter 2, 28 through 29, God is speaking through his prophet, and he says this. He says, after this, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will have dreams, and your young men will see visions. And I will pour my spirit on the male and female slaves in those days. Verse 32. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For there will be an escape for those on Mount Zion and Jerusalem as the Lord promised among the survivors the Lord calls. You see, God's promise and way back in the Old Testament is this. That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone who says, God, I'm sorry, I repent, I turn from my sins, will be saved. There's this promise, but right now, we don't really see how that happens. But we fast forward, and we see that God sends his son. He sends his presence to us in baby Jesus. And God comes to earth, and he puts on human flesh, and now people could walk with Jesus. You have Mary and Joseph who raised Jesus, his disciples who walked with him. But it was still not perfect. We couldn't all be with Jesus all at the same time. It was still limited. 
And we actually see Jesus tells his disciples as he's getting ready to die. In John 16, he says, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And so we get to this point in the story. We finally are in a spot where we can walk with the presence of God. And he says, there's somebody better. And we're back to the drawing board. And we got this big question mark. And we're like, who is this person that you've promised? You're probably looking like this if you're along with us in this story. You're confused. You don't know what's going on. But God has a promise. And this promise that he's promised since throughout the story of Scripture We have the answer to in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. He's telling us that this person that has been promised is the Holy Spirit. That no longer will God live in a tent or in a temple, but he's actually going to come and dwell inside his believers, in his people. And we see the promise is that God's Spirit now lives in us. Not that your clothes are going to catch on fire. I know that is what it looks like a little bit. But he's saying that the spirit of the holy and living God who created the world, who has been with his people, who rules the winds and the waves and everything on earth now lives with us. That we can go to him freely. But there might be some of you guys in this room and and you don't really know what I'm talking about or maybe you've heard this before, but you've never made the decision in your life to repent of your sins to believe that Jesus came and he died and he took the full payment for your sin and was raised from the dead. And, and you've never made this decision and this is not where you're at. But I'm telling you, there's hope that God wants to have a relationship with you and he desires to know you and walk with you if you will turn to him. And before you leave tonight, I, I, would, I would beg you to talk to one of the adults in this room, someone that would love to walk you through what it looks like to know him and be a part of this plan that God had since the beginning. But a lot of us in this room, we've already been saved, we've been baptized, we we know the Lord, we have his spirit dwelling inside of us. You're like, why is this important? I get that. Yeah, I've been saved, but I have the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's move on. But let's stop for a second and think about what this means. That the God of the universe who created everything, the stars, the mountains, the the ground under your feet, who defeated armies, just like they were nothing. Like he is the God over everything and you can turn to him whenever you want. You can now turn to the Lord and bring your request to him and he answered them. How amazing is that? But how often do we take that for granted? How often do we get so busy in our lives with sports or school or or work or playing video games or watching TV or whatever that we forget that the God of the universe is with us and we never turn to him in prayer? So I challenge you this week, reflect on who God is and spend time with him. So the first thing, we, we see God's promise is to be with his people. But the second thing we're going to see is that our response is to go and to tell others. Our response is to go and to tell others the good news of what Jesus has done for us. As we go back to Acts, 
we see the disciples are a little confused. Jesus makes this promise to them and they don't really understand it. They're like, Jesus, are you talking about like, you're going to be the king of everything again? Like, are you going to have a, a big kingdom and a castle? Or is this, you know, when sin is going to be wiped away? And Jesus says, no, trust me. I got this. It's my timing, not your timing. But he says, hey, there's something bigger than that that you need to get. And in verse eight, we pick up and we see this, this big picture thing that Jesus wants his disciples to get. It says this, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Real quick, let's, let's look at this first part here. It says, but you will receive what? Let's try that again. But you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There's a promise that when we have God's spirit in us, there is power in that. Like this God that can heal the sick and can raise from the dead and can cause the blind to see is with us. And when a God like that comes onto us, there is power in that. It changes us. But he's saying that, hey, once you have this power, there's a response that you have. You can't have God's spirit dwell in you and leave unchanged. Then now it's your responsibility to go and to tell others the good news. He says they have given a new, they've been given a new title to be God's witnesses. Now, what is a witness? A witness is someone who tells other people what they have seen to be true. And so in a court of law, a witness is someone that they call to the stand and they ask them a bunch of questions. And the witness's job is to convince the jury of what they have seen to be true. And so in doing this, Jesus isn't telling them they need to go get a law degree, right? He's not telling them to quit their jobs as fishermen and go be lawyers. What he's telling them is saying, hey, you have seen me to be true. You've known who I am and you've seen me work in your lives. Go and tell what you've seen. He didn't ask them to be professional public speakers or he didn't ask them to have perfect PowerPoints. He just said, hey, Go and tell others what you have seen God to be. I'm going to sidestep for a second. Real quick, I have a question. How many of you guys love birthday cake? Like, it's that time of year that, like, you know what I'm saying. Like, I don't know what your favorite flavor is. Maybe you love chocolate. Maybe you love vanilla. Yeah, go ahead. On three, everyone shout out your favorite cake flavor. One, two, three. Okay. I agree with some of you guys, but definitely not all of you guys. But bring it in. I, I think, personally, my favorite flavor is red velvet. I love red velvet cake. I think it's so good. All right. Keep the hate to yourselves. Thank you. But real quick, I, I have some unfortunate news for me personally is that I'm actually allergic to everything that's in cake. I'm allergic to gluten and eggs and dairy, which means I can never eat it. But on occasion, I am able to make, make some. But how many of you guys have ever baked a cake before? Any of you guys? Oh, a lot. We got some professional bakers in the room. All right. But to make a cake, you've got to have a few different ingredients. All right. You've got to have your flour. So I'm going to go ahead and we're going to make one together. Does that sound good to you guys? So what we're going to do is we're going to make it in this bowl. We're going to put some flour in, you know, a good base, you know, just some, some good flour there. But it's got to be sweet. Otherwise, we're just making bread. So I'm going to take some sugar and we're going to go ahead and just pour this in. Whoa, making a big mess. Whoa. All right, we're going to put a lot of sugar in there. Yeah, the way cake should be made. 
but it's got to rise. So we're gonna we're gonna add some baking powder. You know, just a little touch, a little sprinkle. We gotta add some milk for some flavor. We're gonna add this creamer. I think it's gonna work. I think it's gonna work. Just trust me on this. So we're gonna pour that in. And you know, just for good measure, you have to have an egg in the cake, right? Or it's, it's just not gonna turn out right. It's gotta have something to hold it together. So we're gonna take our egg and we're gonna crack it. And I'm gonna try not to make a mess. And we're gonna empty our egg in here. All right. All right, bring it in, bring it in. So here, I have all the ingredients I need for a cake, right? I have everything I need. You watched me put all of this together to make the cake. But if I were to give you a fork or a spoon or something, how many of you guys would want to try some? All right, a lot of you guys are lying to me. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you had a bite of this, you would probably get some raw eggs or some milk just covered in flour or maybe just the bitterness of just battery acid tasting baking soda and you would spit it out because you wouldn't want it. But get this, get this. Hold on, bring it in, bring it in, come on. Bring it in, don't miss this. The reason that you wouldn't want to eat this it was because having all the right ingredients doesn't matter if you don't use it in the way that it was designed to be used. You can have all the right parts, but if you never put it into practice the way that it was meant to be, it's worthless. But a lot of times, I think sometimes we look a lot like this bowl. I, if I'm going to be honest, I'd say probably a lot of you guys in the room look a little bit about like this bull does. And you know all the right things. You've been going to church since you were in diapers. You've heard all the Bible stories. You know all the right answers. You can answer everything I could ask you about scripture and about who Jesus is. But yet you're unwilling to go tell your friends who are lost the good news of the gospel. And you have all the right pieces. You know that Jesus has worked in your life. You're saved. You have the spirit of God living inside of you. And you're unwilling to put it to use. And you're left with this bowl of almost. It has such potential. And you guys know the gospel. We've talked so, so much in middle school about what it looks like to share the gospel. We walked through the three circles. We spent a night where you guys shared the gospel with each other. And at the very least, you guys know how to tell someone what you've seen Jesus do in your life. Share them your story. The problem is that you guys don't have the ingredients. The problem is that we're not putting them into practice. You know, we, we looked at a lot of groups earlier of people in the world in these huge populations and such a small amount of believers. But what that means is, is there's a very large group of people who are lost and who don't know Jesus and have a need for us as believers to go out and step out of our comfort zone and to tell them the good news of the gospel. If, if I'm going to be honest with you guys for a second, I get really tired of some of the excuses that we make up for not sharing with others. The reason that we talk through 
God's promise and his presence. So you guys, we have the presence of God living inside of us. We have this presence of God who created everything, who can raise people from the dead, and yet we won't tell people the good news that could save them because it might be a little uncomfortable. Guys, the need is so, so great. And you have been equipped and empowered by God to go and tell. So go and do it. Be courageous. Go and tell your friends. Tell people you know the mission field is right in front of us. Go and tell. You guys only have one of two options. There's no middle ground on this. Either number one, you're going to obey God, you're going to be obedient, you're going to tell people, or you're going to live being comfortable and you're going to live in silence, and you're going to live in rebellion to God because you're not being obedient to what he has asked you to do and what he's commanded you and what he's called you to do as his witness and as a believer. Maybe you're at a spot where you're, you're ready to take that step, and you're, you're ready to say, hey, I want to go share the gospel, but I, I don't know where. Right? I said we think about missionaries being in Africa or in Asia or in Europe. Well, what does that look like for me as a middle schooler? You know what I mean? Like, it's different talking about you know, going on a trip where that's all you do versus going to class every day and then going to sports or to band or to clubs. After. It, it's different, right? And I, I get that and I hear you. Like, I, I'm not discounting that at all. But if we look back in Acts chapter 1, we're going to see three places that God shows that we can go and tell others about the gospel. And the first place is that we need to go and tell your home base. You know, your people that are around you and that, you know, you see every day. These are the people at your lunch table, the people you're hanging out with. Maybe this is your family, your cousins. These are the people you know. Like, they're your homies, right? And a lot of the times, these are actually the people that are hardest for us to share the gospel with because we're so afraid of what they might think of us. Is it going to be awkward? Is it going to be uncomfortable? I don't know how that's going to go. But you have such an incredible opportunity because you've already built the relationship with them. And not only that, you talk with these people all the time, right? If me and Trey are hanging out every day and we're doing life all the time, that's a lot of opportunities for me to tell Trey about who Jesus is, for, to just stop for a second and be like, hey, you should come to church with me this week. Or, hey, I've been learning this about God and it's changed my life. Or, hey, I've actually been really struggling with this, but guess what? I have hope in someone greater that I can put my trust in. The second group of people moving out from this inner circle, this home base, are your neighbors. These are the people you see, and you might like know their face, but you're not really close with them. This might be the person at lunch that no one sits with them, and they sit alone every single week, and you walk by them to sit with your friends, and you never take the chance to stop and to say hey and sit with them and let them know that Jesus loves them. Maybe this is the person that your friend group has been talking about behind their back. You've been bullying these people and you need to stop laughing at the jokes your friends are telling about them and go and be their friend. Guys, the, your neighbors are all, I, I don't mean your physical neighbors, like the person that lives next door to you, although they are your neighbors. 
These are the people that are all around you that are just right across the hall. You don't have to hop on a plane and go to South, uh, South Africa. You can go across your halls. You can go down the street. You can go to the other end of the field to go and live on mission. And finally, this last group of people is the whole earth. The whole earth needs to hear the gospel. And I've talked to some of you guys in this room, and you guys already have plans to go overseas on missions. And I'm so excited for you guys. And I I would challenge you guys and encourage you all to take the chance if you have it to go overseas. But for some of us, we... That's just not an option for us right now. Like, if you guys went home and were like, hey, mom, I'm going to actually go to Russia this weekend. You know, I'm going to go share the gospel with the people. Maybe your parents would be okay with that. But if my mom would be like, no, Ian, you're going to stay home and you're going to do your homework. And it probably wouldn't work out. So you're asking, how can I be a part of this? And there are two ways. The first is you can give to people, your friends that are going overseas that are missionaries. But the second big way that you can be involved in overseas missions is to be constantly in prayer for them, to be praying for the missionaries overseas, that God would be with them and empowering them, but also for the lost people overseas, that they would hear the gospel and their hearts would be changed to know the Lord. You see, tonight we've seen two big things. We've seen God's promise to be with his people, that the God who created us all had a plan for us that despite our sin, he overcame the boundary of death and now lives with us that we can turn to him whenever. And our response to this needs to be to go and to tell others about the gospel. Because of this presence, we have the responsibility to go and to tell others the good news of him. You guys You know it, and I know you know it. But if we know it and we don't go and tell, we look like this bowl of ingredients that has never been put to use in the way that God intended it to be used. I started out by telling you guys a story, a story about one of my uh, friends, Ben, that I shared the gospel with, and he got saved, and that was awesome. And one of my absolute favorite memories of someone that I was able to talk to and see God move in their lives. But a lot of the times, it's not that flashy. A lot of times, I talk to people about the gospel and the good news, and they say, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm all right. I don't need that. I'm okay without it. You know what? That's okay, because it's not your responsibility to change their hearts but it is your responsibility to be willing and to be obedient to the Lord to go out and to share the gospel with those in need. Real quick, this is what I want to ask you guys to do. To go ahead and think for a second about someone that you can be sharing the gospel with. Think about someone you know that they're lost. You know they don't know the Lord. Or maybe they would say that they know the Lord and they would say that they're a follower of Jesus but you know they're not living it. You know their heart is not in the right place. Be be thinking about who that person is, that you would have an opportunity this week to go and to tell them who you know Jesus to be. This week, go and tell, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You are the missionaries this week.